My name is Peter Apple and I have a sick and twisted brain. That brain makes me want to do research into relievers that nobody is talking about and talk about them on the Just Baseball show. That's Arm Layton and he also has a sick and twisted brain because it's midnight, one in the morning and he's watching PCL, you know, double A, triple A minor league games. But that's why this is an amazing podcast. In this episode, it is Wednesday, May 10th. And we are talking about 10 unsung relief pitchers that you need to keep your eye on, as well as Arm Layton's prospect report. And we're also going to get a quick update on Arm's so rare fantasy baseball team. Arm, you ready to talk about things that no other podcast in America is talking about? Yeah, there, there's no shot anybody else is talking about uh, Jake Bird today on the podcast. But I, I'm excited because it, it's funny. Like we 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 talk about the volatility of relievers and you know everything that goes into it, and also you know just I guess there's the the usual suspects of, that that are really good consistently, but every single year there's a a handful of pop-up relievers that play a huge part in a team's success, a huge part. In, you know, there's always the world series team that has a couple of relievers that now we accept as those lights out relievers, but we didn't before. So, you know, maybe some of these names will fall off a cliff. Maybe some of those will be a big part of their team success through the year. And like, we'll kind of unpack that a little bit, but I always like to just give some players shine that don't get shine. That's part of the reason why I love covering the minor leagues. It's hard to do it in the major leagues because, you know, it's the major leagues. But this is the area where you can identify some players that don't get much shine. I guarantee some of these guys may have 500 followers on Twitter. Like, like <laughs> there's a very high chance that a couple of these guys have like no followers on Twitter or something like that. But it's not even about that, too. Of course, we are talking about their current team success. But I write an article every year about five under the radar relievers that I think would be great additions to a playoff team. Yep. For Correct. example, last year, I wrote a ton about Scott Efros of the Chicago Cubs. And I said, whoever gets him is going to get a great submarine type pitcher who could end up actually closing games. He's been that good for the Cubs. And he gets traded at the deadline for Hayden Wesneski, who was it was a big return. Yeah. A guy like Hayden Wesneski is now starting in the Cubs rotation and is already getting better start by start. So these guys are not only performing well for their team. We have some guys on contenders who could end up being a big reason why that team goes far in the playoffs. Or they could be on struggling teams where contenders can then go grab them in order to make an impact. So I have a guy on the Rockies like I have a guy on a couple of different teams who might get traded you may hear it now hear that your team got this guy at the trade deadline and think to yourself we actually got a guy that nobody's heard of who will actually make an impact that's why i love talking about the unsung relievers should we do prospect report first or should we do unsung relievers first let's do let's do relievers first let's 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 go through these these guys let's get straight into it and remember the just baseball show is sponsored by BetMGM. Use code JBFANS, wager $10 on any MLB money line, and receive $100 instantly in bonus bets, depending on your state, $200 in bonus bets. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, I'm going to start off with a high school legend. And the reason I say he's a high school legend is he went to my high school, and his name is Gabe Spire <laughs> of the Seattle Mariners. And this isn't some biased pick. If you look at where he ranks in a lot of different metrics, Gabe Spire of the Seattle Mariners has been one of baseball's best relievers. And that is within a pen that has so many good relievers. But this guy, this left-hander has been put in spots where there's runners on base and he is just doing a stand-up bang-up job. 0.64 ERA, which is the fourth best in all of Major League Baseball. 2.01 XERA. But the reason I love Gabe so much, 
not only because he went to my high school and I'll always love him and always root for him, but one walk, 11 strikeouts in 14 innings. He's only allowed one run and the quality of contact against him has been elite of all major league pitchers. There's about 300 of them. He is 11th in X Woba, which is expected weighted on base average. Woba is a better way to figure out someone's on base percentage because it weights triples more than just, all right, you got a triple and you got to walk. You're on base. Woba helps account for those other events in baseball and expected that a little X at the end is your quality of contact on those specific events. He's 11th in all of Major League Baseball. So he's doing a great job of allowing soft contact. He's not allowing free passes, and he's been nails in that Mariners pen. Yeah, I mean, when you don't walk anybody, and it's one of those things where he's not that classic swing and miss reliever. He's averaging about seven strikeouts per nine, but he walks nobody. You talk about the weak contacts, big part of that, he used to sinker now that he's throwing a lot more, getting a lot of ground balls, and he just seems like the perfect guy to get you out of that jam. Uh, this is this is a good a good reliever here. I, like we're talking about, like I think the one thing I want to highlight as we go through each of these um, each of these relievers, Pete is like how confident we are in it sustaining, like how confident are we in this reliever being able to maintain this performance? I would say I'm pretty confident in, in Gabe Spire maintaining this performance because he's not dependent on whiffs. He's not one of those roller coaster rides of, of command where, you know, he could legitimately walk three guys and you pull him. Um, so you know, I, I think this is something that he can continue to do and, and continue to be effective. And I always love seeing a tweak in the pitch usage. You see that up in the sinker usage by about 50, 15%. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's getting a lot of ground balls and a lot of weak contact. I didn't know he went to your high school too. That's, that's pretty funny. Spire at 28 years old uh, seems to have figured something out. 19th round pick too. That's why I love the relievers is like a lot of them had to wait a long time and had to grind their asses off to finally get that, that big league opportunity. He's been up in like parts of four seasons. First time he came up was in 2019 with the Royals only for seven innings. Then 2020, for five innings with the Royals and then 2021 for seven innings with the Royals and then 2022 for 19 innings with the Royals. And now in 2023, he's already picked up 14 innings with the Mariners. So he's going to have a career high in basically everything this year. So I always love the, the reliever journeys too. That's always a fun aspect of this. Absolutely. And so he's, he almost, and this is a very, you know, this is a high comparison for this guy. But he kind of has that Justin Steele type profile in the bullpen where it's not overpowering stuff, but he just keeps the ball off the middle of the bat and relies on the soft contact. And he's doing it at an elite rate and not just elite, like tippity top of Major League Baseball. And the reason why, again, I wanted to highlight him was the Mariners bullpen is so damn good. And you think of Matt Brash, you think of Andres Munoz, you think of Diego Castillo, you think of Penn Murphy, you think of so many different arms. I could just keep listing them. But maybe the last name you think of is Gabe Spire, who has the best ERA in that pen. So shout out Gabe Spire. Oh, yeah. Your turn. All right. Oh, we're going back and forth. We're going back, back and, and forth. forth. Okay. I love it. So my name, my first name I'm going to talk about is, is a guy that I've been watching a little bit closely. I've mentioned him on the podcast a few times because he has, I think one of the best names in, in baseball, but also has been pretty much used as much as any reliever. Oscar Brazoban, Miami Marlins. Um, Brazoban is a, is a pretty crazy story. I mean, this is a dude that's 33 years old and is, in his second big league stint now, he in 2022 was was all right. He had a 309 ERA last year and and he kind of battled some command issues. But so far this year has cut his walk rate in half. He's pitching to a 214 ERA. And some of these other guys are, you know, this early in the season are probably really, really, really low in the ERA department. But what st- has stood out to me with Brazaban is that. You know, he has actually been used as much as almost any qualified reliever. Uh, there's not that many relievers that are over that 20 inning threshold. And Brazzaban's had several multi inning relief appearances for this Marlins bullpen that, you know, is very unsung. A lot of names that are not established. You looked at it going into the year. You said this bullpen could be a disaster. It hasn't been, it hasn't, you know, it's been ups and downs. It's been pretty decent overall, but I think a big reason why it's been pretty decent is Brazzaban and his changeup is one of the best changeups I think in the minor leagues and or excuse me, in the major leagues. And I think the thing that really stands out to me is you're seeing some of these 
uh, breakout relievers with nasty, nasty changeups. You know, Brent Honeywell is really finding success with that splitter, that screwball uh, type of pitch. Brazzaban's kind of similar, and he's dicing guys up with it. Absolutely. And the reason I love Brazzaban so much is one, I really needed the over to hit in Cubs versus Marlins, that long extra innings game. And Brazzaban came in against the thick of the lineup with the Cubs shut it down for me because I needed the Marlins to score for then the Cubs to match it. That happened. So Brazabon's always going to be cool with me. Another thing that I noticed about Brazabon is that he's a four pitch guy. Yeah. And up to this point, this season, three have been absolutely elite. You mentioned the changeup, but that 87 mile an hour cutter slider type thing, I wouldn't really call it a cutter because it moves more than most cutters. And at the same time, it's 87. So it's kind of a hybrid of both. Just a really nasty pitch. And his four-seam fastball, nobody's making quality contact against it. But it's his sinker that's getting destroyed. It's like the only pitch that anyone in the lineup can ever get. If I'm him, I just shelve that. Yeah. You're, already, you're in the bullpen anyway. You only need three pitches. Some guys are the best at baseball with just two. Shelve the sinker. Go four-seam cutter changeup. And he could be one of the best relievers in baseball right now. That's the craziest part, Pete, is that in 2022, he threw the sinker 9% of the time and it got crushed then too. 375 opponent batting average. This year, he's throwing it more. He's throwing it 20% of the time and opponents are hitting 533. So like, that's the crazy part too. I think that's obviously something they'll, they'll catch. The Marlins will see that and say, all right, let's phase this pitch out of here. Um, and you phase that pitch out. Like you said, those other three pitches are dynamite. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere because of that, too. Like there's a, adjustments that he can make to that would make him even better uh, to maybe offset, you know, some of that normalization that that happens with relievers. But you look at the whiff rate, 32 percent whiff rate on a cutter, 34 percent whiff rate on the changeup. And, you know, also for a fastball, 17 percent whiff rates more than fine. Um, I think Brazavan's going to be a big part of this bullpen for for most of the year. And he, he's had three, four, two inning relief appearances, one of which was two and two thirds. So, I mean, this guy like can be stretched out a little bit too, which is, you know, super useful for out of a reliever today. And we'll see where the Marlins end up when they're at the trade deadline. But also, do you think like this is a guy who the Marlins can cash in on, get a prospect on the <clears throat> offensive side for him and just flip him because they do have a very solid bullpen. I mean, it's been pretty lucky when you look at some of the underlying yeah. metrics, but you can't deny some of the talent in the back end. And these guys just tend to spawn. So if I'm the Marlins, like even if I'm mildly competitive, I'm still looking for the best offer for this guy at the deadline who could really help a contender. That's like my next guy will absolutely be traded if <laughs> this certain team has a brain at the deadline. Like Brazabon could be on the market for 100%, sure. 100%, 100%. And especially with how much usage he's getting, I think teams could feel a little bit more comfortable. Like, hey, we can we can you know use him a lot. And uh, this isn't some sort of like total anomaly. And if the Marlins stink, they would be nuts not to trade Brazabon. They did. A, they traded their relievers last year. Um, they they sent Zach Pop out, you know, who who looked really good. Uh, they also sent Anthony Bass out. So I could see them doing something similar here if they're if they're not in good shape. I absolutely agree. And another team that should definitely be trading this guy. And he might get a decent package because I'm willing to call my shot here. I mentioned this guy at the beginning of the year because I saw how nasty his sweeper was. And I'm like, I know he's pitching at cores. The ERA might not look ideal when we look at the end of the year. But this is a guy who could be the next Adam Adovino, the same guy with a crazy good slider. He's just pitching in Coors Field, so the ERA is not going to look good. But the thing <laughs> is, the ERA looks amazing for Justin Lawrence of the Colorado Rockies. 147 ERA, 250 XERA, and he's thrown 18 innings so far this season, nine and two-thirds on the road, zero earn runs. All of the earn runs that he's given up this year, which is only three of them, have come at home. This guy has maybe the best sweeper of any bullpen arm in Major League Baseball. It has been that good this season. He's throwing it 55% of the time. So crazy. Opponents are hitting 088 against it with a 118 slug. 36.2% whiff rate on the pitch, 167x Woba against. You do not get much better than Justin Lawrence's sweeper, which also performed at an elite level last year. The problem is his sinker was getting crushed last year to a 337 batting average. This year, down to 231, and the quality of contact looks excellent against it. And he's even throwing that pitch slightly harder. It's not much. It's still around 95, but he's got a 95 mile an hour sinker 
and an absolutely elite sweeper that he's throwing 85 miles an hour. The only issue, only issue with him is a 10% walk rate. Yeah, But he hedges that with a 27% K rate. He is nasty and would be a great addition to a contender. But knowing the Rockies, they probably give him a 10-year deal. Yeah, he's going to get the Daniel Bard deal. But, um, you know, what what stands out with, excuse me, what stands out with him is that I think the walk rate is almost because that sweeper breaks so much much. that it's so hard to land for a strike. But the new wave, you know, we talked about like vertical attack angle with fastballs, a low release point with a riding fastball makes it look like it's riding more with these sweepers. The new wave here is, is horizontal attack angle, which is, you know, the, the more towards the the side, the more sidearm you can be with your sweeper, the more it's going to seem like it is, you know, sweeping across the plate. So when you have that, sidearm three quarters type of release point that Justin Lawrence has, it makes that sweeper play up even more, especially when you've got the two seamer working off of it. Um, Cause that fastball really has a ton of arms, arm side run. Uh, it, it's a very uncomfortable at bat for righties. I, I can't imagine trying to trying to face him as, as a righty. Everything probably looks like it's coming right at your hip, but the stuff moves enough to, to be able to get lefties out too. his whip against righties right now. This year is 0.38. Like that's he's given up three hits out of the 35 batters he's faced with 16 strikeouts uh, from the right side. You've got no shot if you're a right handed hitter against this guy from that release point with that kind of movement. Uh, this is another dude. And I think most of the guys we highlighted were specifically guys who we think will sustainably be good. But I'm as confident as any of the guys we're going to talk about that Justin Lawrence will like maintain this performance. He'd be a Hall of Famer if he went to the Tampa Bay race. <laughs> Because he would get to face the Blue Jays and the Yankees who are loaded with right-handed bats at the very beginning of the lineup. And he would go into the Hall of Fame if he went to the Tampa Bay race. Like he is, you know, I always key on on a couple of relievers who I really think could impact a playoff contender. Justin Lawrence is near the top of my list, especially where he's playing right now and how good he's been on the road, which is key because you can't really judge him for playing on the moon in Coors Field. No, not, not at all. I mean, that's just something that is just, not his fault, you know, and I think to have the numbers that he's had and, and horizontal movement still plays, of course, it's more the vertical movement that can be impacted. So I think we're seeing that effect right now, which speaking of course, my guy's another Rockies reliever, which again, now the Rockies really need to consider cashing in on these guys because they've got multiple here. Jake Bird, uh, who at 27 years old is, is really putting together an, a nice season. He was a former fifth round pick, uh, but Bird, a three ERA, you know, so not as, you know, lights out statistically as some of the other guys, but a lot of the underlying numbers and a lot of what I've seen so far. Have really me good. thinking that this guy could be could be a dude, uh, and I feel really good about you know what they've got here in Jake Bird. So another guy that you know goes with the sinker around fifty nine percent of the time, sixty percent of the time gets a lot of ground balls, and then has this cutter from this funky three quarters release point that's nasty, and a curveball that is just disgusting. I don't know why he doesn't throw it more. I think he should. He throws it about nineteen percent of the time, fifty four percent whiff rate which is insane, uh, ex-WOBA of 0, 0.062, opponent average of 0. 0.040. Opponents are one for 25 against it with 17 strikeouts. Um, I assume he's going to start throwing this pitch more and more because of how disgusting it is from that release point. And, and as he continues to do that, I don't think anybody's going to be able to hit it. It's a pitch that flirts with 3000 RPMs. Um, So, you know, as he starts to phase out, maybe the sinker a little bit in favor of that curveball, I I think he's going to be an absolute force. Another dude that uh, the Rockies would be smart to probably sell high on at some point this season. And they'd be smart to sell high on. But at the same time, if a team even gives up a lot for him, I think it will end up going well, like a team who really knows how to optimize pitch usage, like really knows. All right. We've identified this pitch as an elite pitch. You talked about the curveball. I mean, the cutter, you kind of mentioned it, but opponents are three for 15 against it with some K's. It's not as elite, but you can see like the curveball is elite. The cutter is really good. And the sinker is helping him produce a 56% ground ball rate. Like you put him in the right scenarios and this could be a lockdown reliever for a contender. It's just the problem is he pitches at core. So yeah. sometimes that the ERA can be a little bit more than you might expect. 
But the great part about Jake Bird is, and unsimilarly to Justin Lawrence, he's actually been better at home this year, 2.92 ERA compared to 3.09 ERA on the road. So now you know with Jake Bird, he can pitch in any element at any time with those couple of pitches, and it's just about using him in the right spot. So a guy like Jake Bird fires me up. 100%. And he keeps going the yard, you know, which was something that kind of plagued him last year. He was giving up more home runs. And and so far this year, I mean, he's only given up one home run in his 24 innings. So I think that's something that, you know, you want from a reliever. There's nothing worse than the guy coming in the seventh and just giving up a bomb and and giving up the lead. So uh, I think Bird is another guy, freak breaking ball. And I think he's found something. He was a relevant prospect at one point. And uh, I mean, I I think he's going to be a good part of that bullpen for the rest of this year. And I think they could move him relatively soon. And here's another example of a guy who was a Colorado Rocky. And now we're seeing him in a different environment. Now, this guy has kind of been too good to be on this list. But at the same time, I don't think a lot of people still know who Carlos Estevez is of the Los Angeles Angels. This is a big man. This is a large human being. Six foot six. 280 pounds just throwing darts past people 1.02 era this year strikeout rate is above 30 percent. it's at 33.3 percent xera is super low but the fastball man it's 97 at your neck with plenty of life 36 percent whiff rate on the fastball yeah that's holding opponents to a 125 opponent batting average but don't sleep on his disgusting slider either and it's a hard slider at 89 with 39 percent whiff rate quality of contact is pretty solid you know it's not the same ground ball guy but it's just stuff and he goes at pitchers or excuse me he goes at hitters strikeout stuff Eight saves already in this Angels pen. The reason why I wanted to bring him up is because, you know, I have a Rockies reliever who we expect to be better once he leaves. You had the same thing. And now here's an example of a guy who had a 4-5 career ERA with the Colorado Rockies and is now looking like one of the best closers in Major League Baseball. We're tying it all together, and Carlos Estevez of the Angels is a perfect example because he has been nails, and he is so exciting to watch because he's nasty and he's huge. Yeah, so it, this is interesting where I think there's going to be an, a market of, you know, trying to acquire the right former Rockies relievers, which is funny uh, because it, there's guys that I think their stuff gets masked by the altitude. And I think Estevez is exactly that. Uh, his fastball in terms of induced vertical break, which we talk about that ride, um, has jumped three inches in, in induced vertical break. Like you don't see that very often. And I think that's obviously getting away from cores, but they realize, hey, this is a fastball that, you know, will play up really well away from there. And he's thrown plenty of fastballs, including one last night that was, or several last night that were over 20 inches of induced vertical break. So that's strider shit. Yeah, that's pretty close to strider with in, in, in the upper 90s. So like that is impossible to hit. That's why you're seeing crazy whiff rates and low batting averages on his fastball. Then the slider tunnels off of that so well. And now it's featuring more movement as well away from cores, which is important as well. Way more vertical movement on the slider as well. So it's really diving. So you got the fastball riding more slider, really diving more. And you got very uncomfortable hitters as a result. This is a dude that I think is going to finish the year among some of the better closers in baseball. I think he must be thinking, man, it is so much easier to pitch outside of cores. Uh, and, and this was a great pickup two years deal and like he he kind of got paid we we're talking about it before we recorded like does he fit the the mold of the guys we're talking about and I, I said yeah because he's been that dominant like he's still been way better than I think anybody would have expected except for maybe the angels because they gave him a two-year deal uh which you don't see very often for relievers especially coming away from course I I would bet this guy will be an all-star reliever this year I actually think he will I think we will, too. I mean, he's been arguably the best reliever in the American League, and he's pitching in a division with elite offenses. You look at the Rangers, and they won't stop scoring. The Astros, I don't care what anybody says. I still have them as one of the best offenses in baseball. These Seattle Mariners, you know, eh, and the Oakland A's are slightly below average. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that a that's a force. It's a force to deal with, you know, <laughs> but um, no, I'm with you. I mean, like that's not closing out games for the angels is in that division is not, not very easy, not but easy. also kind of leading up to that. I got another angels guy and what's wild is we didn't really plan this, but the way, the way we're going from Rockies guy to former Rockies or to Rockies guy to former Rockies guy to now angels guy uh, to now another angels guy Andrew wants 
Um, I hope that's how you say it. It's W-A-N-T-Z. Andrew Wants, 27-year-old Angels. Dude, this guy, you talk about weak contact machines. 99th percentile in average exit velocity allowed. 95th percentile in hard hit percentage allowed. 96th percentile in X slugging allowed. And 95th percentile in expected batting average allowed. His fastball takes off. And I think that's what this you know, Perry Manassian team I think that's what they've been looking for is, is these guys with these induced vertical break fastballs out of the bullpen that were maybe just overlooked elsewhere, because this is another guy with a riding fastball that routinely hits over 20 inches of induced vertical break at around 94, 95 miles an hour. You look at what he has done to hitters this year. It's the sweeper fastball combination, neither of which have been hittable whatsoever. He throws a sweeper about 35% of the time. He throws the fastball about 34% of the time against the sweeper opponents, a 118 batting average, 152 expected batting average against the four seamer opponents have a 0.091 batting average, a 203 expected batting average. But still, even if it was that, that would be great. Um, and then he mixes in a cutter, which has been really effective as well. Opponents hitting 071 against it. So, I mean, this is somebody that has just gotten better. He's, I talk about how the fastball, you know, expected stats aren't as good. He's actually phased the fastball out a little bit. He was throwing it a lot more than the sweeper last year. He's up to sweeper usage by about 8%. He's cut his fastball usage by about 15%. And you're seeing success with relievers. It can just be as simple as tweaking usage. Cutter usage is also up uh, about six or 7% as well, actually closer to 10%, excuse me. So this is a dude that's tweaked his pitch usage has upped the life on his fastball a little bit. And at 27, uh, things are really clicking for him out of the bullpen. The angels have a nice little bullpen coming together right now this year. And I think it's a big reason why they've been floating above 500. Yeah, I totally agree with you. We could go through a lot of names in this Angels bullpen. They, I think, might be the most underrated bullpen in the entire sport. You know, Wants doesn't have, you know, a ton of innings under his belt. But last season in 2022, he was pretty damn solid. He threw 50 innings at a 3.22 ERA. Underlying metrics were very solid. But this season, you can tell that he's taken it to another level. Last year, he was good, and you talked about the pitch usage, and then you talked about the changes. 0.68 ERA, 2.56 ERA, quality of contact is insane. But the thing is, he's not just some pitch-to-contact guy. Always been a big strikeout guy. 26% K rate this year, 31% in 2021. Another guy. Now, the Angels, I don't expect them to like trade a guy like this, But in the right package, if you have a bunch of them in their pen, which they do, you could potentially get and fill a hole in another position of need. Because I think this Angels bullpen so far has been outdoing expectations when maybe some other aspects of the team have not been up to par yet for the Angels. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the good news is, you know, the the bullpen's kind of been a disaster in the past. Seems like they've kind of figured that out. And um that that seems like it's not going to change too. I feel like we've we've highlighted two names that we feel good about. Um, that's not even highlighting some of their more established guys, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why this Angels team is a little bit different this year. Agreed. Another guy I want to talk about is, you know, a player that I mentioned early on in the podcast. It was just like a cool story, right? He made his first appearance, and that is Ian Hamilton of the New York Yankees. Ian Hamilton has a crazy story. Back in 2019 in AAA, hit in the face with a foul ball and has barely pitched. Like his r- last real season, like 2018, he had eight innings. 2020, he had four innings. 2022, he had 2.2 innings. And this year, he's at 20 innings at a 135 ERA with 25 Ks to give him a 33.3% strikeout rate. But he throws one of the most interesting pitches in the entire sport. And it's called a slombio. So Aaron Boone was talking about it and he was smiling while he was talking about it and called it. It's a combination between a slider and a changeup or a combio as Latin American baseball players like to call changeups. So they just t- coined it the slombio. And you can tell that baseball's Savant has no idea what to qualify it as. They just call it a slider, even though this pitch is crazy arm. Sometimes it tails away 
from lefties and sometimes it slides in, but it always has that vertical drop. It's just one of the craziest, weirdest pitches I've ever seen. And it's performing at an elite level. That's why he's throwing it 54% of the time. Opponents are only hitting 130 against it and it has a 41% whiff rate. But then why I love Ian Hamilton so much is that you can tell guys in the box are just, that's all they think about. They know it has a crazy name. They know, all right, Ian Hamilton is up. He's going to throw me most of these slombios. And then he just blows 96 by you. And you're just like, oh, shit. And guys look like freaked out when they see a fastball, which is such a weird thing from a reliever. It's kind of like when Devin Williams, obviously Ian Hamilton is not Devin Williams, <laughs> but it's that sense of like, you have to be ready for the airbender from Williams. So when he throws you 95, it probably looks like 102 in the box. That's why both pitches work so well off each other. Same thing is happening for Ian Hamilton. Such a cool story that this season has thrown more innings than his entire career. And he's easily been one of the best relievers in the sport in a Yankees pen that has a struggling Clay Holmes, right? Wandy's been good, but you could make the argument right now that Ian Hamilton has been the best reliever in the Yankees pen, which ranks second in bullpen ERA in the entire sport. So what's crazy to me is that that Slambio pitch spin rate of 1500 crazy, right? It's It's just an anomaly. It's, It's an outlier pitch. And that I, I love nothing more than outlier pitches because they're just so interesting. Like you just unpacked it all. And I was very captivated. Like it's just a very cool thing when someone can play around and find a unique pitch that hitters just haven't really seen. And what's cool about it too, is like, you can try to get ready for it. You can see a couple of them, but almost like a snowflake, it seems like no two of them are alike. So it, it's really cool uh, when you have a story like that and then you have a unique player like that to, to kind of accentuate it all. And again, like this is another one where it's like, I don't see this pitch being hittable anytime soon. Like this is a guy that's probably going to be good for a while. Like, especially when you can dial it up still the way that he does the fastball, like it, it might not have the elite elite shape of some of the other guys, but he, he sits 96 and off of that other pitch, the, the 1500 RPM Slambio, like it, like you said, it must look like it is taking off. So this is always, a, I love stories like this. Again, you get stories like this with relievers more. Um, and man, the 11th round pick by the White Sox in 2016 out of Washington state. Uh, looks like he's going to have a nice little big league career at 27 years old. It seems like he's just getting started. Yeah, that's the coolest part about it. Just an 11th rounder, crazy story. And while the fastball lacks that similar life that maybe you'd see with a Carlos Estevez makes up for it because everyone's thinking about that knuckle change slider cutter curveball thing. I don't even know. Everything. The kitchen sink pitch. But yeah, that's awesome. So I've got another guy that was a starter in the minor leagues for a while, uh, but now is like settled into the bullpen and so looks like a legitimate piece for the Cubs. Mark Leiter Jr., somebody that has been up and down a little bit, made a couple spot starts, you know, kind of came in, came out of the bullpen a little bit for them last year, and, you know, put up some decent numbers, was kind of just like average middle reliever type. He had a 399 ERA last year between those spot starts and you know, some some middle relief appearances. But when he was in triple A, you saw some big strikeout numbers, but also kind of struggled at times to keep runs off the board. But you could see the stuff was there. You've, that's always kind of been why he is been kept around despite being now 32 years old, but it seems like things might be clicking at 32 for Mark Leiter as a reliever. And, and he's definitely really tinkered with the pitch usage. One of the most unhittable pitches in baseball right now. And I think Alex fast tweeted this recently, like Woba against by pitch and the lowest Woba allowed was the split finger. Um, you know, and, and that's exactly what Mark Leiter's throwing more than ever is this split finger change which, by the way, you talk about a pitch that doesn't spin. What do you think the spin rate is on Mark Leiter's uh, split change? Just, just ballpark. Probably like 1,100. 920. <laughs> oh, and I was even lowballing it on purpose. Yeah, 920, which I'm so glad. There's nothing worse than that. You when you ask somebody to guess yeah. something and they guess way below or way above and you're just your point gets ruined. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, oh. But that split finger is disgusting. Opponents are four for 30, a 133 batting average. He's throwing it 34% of the time. And, and if anything, he's been unlucky. 
0.093 expected batting average against that splitter. It is so weird seeing three digit three digits on a spin rate too, by the way, just 920. Um, he's got the sinker, which is a good ground ball inducer. He mixes in a cutter as well. But really, this is a guy that, and he, he has a full assortment, even a curveball, taste breaker pitch, and then a four seamer from time to time to change eye level. But what stands out to me is like this is a, a reliever that found a split finger, has really, really perfected it, and is throwing it for a strike more than ever, almost a 60% lift rate on the, on the splitter. Um, that's going to be a problem for hitters. I think for a while, uh, it's cool to see Mark Leiter at 32 kind of put it all together. I think what the Cubs are doing right now in their bullpen is so fascinating and it might end up being the future of how teams make a bullpen, right? Because they take these former starters that have good stuff, but then their stuff plays higher in one to two inning spurts. But that's the thing. You can get two innings out of these guys because they're used to throwing five. Mark Leiter Jr. is a perfect example. But another great example has been Keegan Thompson, who's also been really good out of the Cubs pen. And then even Adbert Alzali, who's not off to as good of a start as these guys. He's but you can still sell the quality of the stuff is very good. And Adbert Alzali is another guy who can they, they can just go to. So instead of having like, one guy who can give you one good inning and they have a couple of them, right? They have, you know, Michael Fulmer, they have a couple other guys, but when I watch a Cubs game and the lead is tight, I want them going to Mark Leiter jr. I want them going to Keegan Thompson. I want them going to Albert Alzali. And I think other bullpens will start to see like in the angels bullpen, Jaime Berea is a guy who they do that with Tucker Davidson is a guy they do that with. And those guys have been effective. Like though that formula feels good. That almost feels like what the rays have kind of been doing with their openers, getting two to three innings out of guys. This formula works. And Mark Leiter jr. I think might be the example of that major league baseball right now. Yeah. He's, he's been awesome. And in the Cubs bullpen has been pretty, pretty darn solid this year. My guy is a a guy who, when we saw him <laughs> sign in the offseason, we all thought to ourselves, the Dodgers are just going to do it again, aren't they? And it might have been the easiest prediction of all time because <laughs> Shelby Miller is that dude. Yeah. One, two, three ERA out of the Dodgers bullpen. He's just walking the world. That's why the X ERA is too high. But man... I mean, talk about life on a fastball. You look at his fastball, he's throwing it 60% of the time, but it has a 31% whiff rate and opponents are hitting 036 against it. Yeah. I don't even have to look at exactly how many inches of induced vertical break it has because I watch it and you see the stats and you just know this thing is flying. That guys have no shot against it. But of course, now he's got the Dodgers slider, which has a 145. So he's gotten unlucky with it, and opponents are still hitting 250. 145 expected batting average. Quality of contact is crazy, crazy low. Nobody touches him, right? And this is a guy in Shelby Miller who has dealt with arm injury after arm injury. This isn't, you know, one of those stories of an 11th rounder who made it. This is a first round pick, 19th overall by the Cardinals. And just kind of never put it all together except for one season in 2015. He's been okay. what stinks though is, is we did see that you know like this guy can get outs in the big leagues too, which, which is like the you're just like dying for them to stay healthy because it's got to be brutal to get that taste. See that you can get big league hitters out as a starter, and then health doesn't help you there. And you know, for him to be back and being able to like just collect big league checks still, and you know build up that service time and but also just be a legit reliever is pretty awesome. We, when we talked about him too, after the Dodgers signed him, I went and dug into the minor league data. I saw the inches of induced vertical break and I was like, oh, of course, here we go. Um, it was just that ridiculous fastball. The command we'll see, but at the end of the day, like you, he can get away with that. Uh, it'll hold him back from being like elite, 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 but he'll still be a very good reliever for them. And um, they've needed Miller because their bullpen hasn't been as perfect as we are kind of accustomed to seeing like Miller's been very helpful for them because they have not been that Dodgers bullpen. We're used to. I mean, Yancy Almonte is a guy who's really struggled. Alex Vesey was sent down like, and, and got at- shelled in his first triple a appearance shelled. That's so bad. Like so when weird. I look at this Dodgers bullpen and there's a lead late in games or it's a tie game or whatever, I want Caleb Ferguson. I want Elvin Phillips. 
and I want Shelby Miller. <laughs> yeah. Like Bickford's been okay, not great. Bickford's been all right, yeah. You know, okay. Like he's <laughs> just these guys have all been kind of mid, except these three, and Shelby Miller is one of them. Like yeah. Shelby Miller, Dodgers. Shelby Miller. I love Miller? it. I love yes. it. Shelby Miller. Who's your last one? So my last one's a guy that, you know, probably is, is a step below everybody else, but I, I thought it's a cool story. And I think it's somebody that's going to continue to get better because of the story. Uh, so former Dodger uh, prospect, Jose Hernandez with the Pittsburgh pirates, he was selected in the rule five draft. And this was one of the more surprising picks of the rule five draft. I had him highlighted as one of the prospects to look at, but I didn't think he'd get picked because he had never really pitched he hadn't pitched above double a and he'd only thrown 38 and two thirds innings in double a for the Dodgers. So this was a big leap for him uh, to go pretty much straight from double to the big leagues as a reliever. And we've seen more guys do that, but you know, this was somewhat surprising because he just didn't have that much work under his belt, even above the high a level. Um, and Hernandez has been thrown into the pirates bullpen, a team that's, you know, succeeded this year. I know that they've come down to earth a little bit, but still, um, and, and it's been solid. The fastball is not that effective. Like he's going to have to figure something out there, but the slider is devastating. Um, and that was why I think they took him and they figured that the rest will come together, but to make that jump and get outs, you know, and they've been tasked him with you know some a good amount of responsibility out of that bullpen the slider opponents are hitting 056 against 100 expected batting average 42 percent whiff rate and that's one for 18 against it with 11 k's the change up the numbers aren't as good but you can take my word for it it's it's a pretty good pitch and it'll get better and better helps him against righties the slider's devastating against lefties and the fastball again it has to continue to come along but the whiff rates are pretty good on it I just love that you know, the Pirates took a chance on this guy to jump straight from double in the Rule 5 draft. And you know, he's really holding his own. So far this year, he has a 184 ERA and, um, you know, in 14 and two thirds innings, has punched out nearly 10 per nine. So, again, not quite to the degree of these other guys, but I love seeing a, a Rule 5 draft pick succeed like this. And this was one of the, you know, riskier Rule 5 draft selections that we saw. And you might see a guy, you know, who's a Rule 5 draft pick, you know, brought up from double A start walking the world. Nope. No. 3.4% walk rate. He doesn't walk a soul. Everything is within the strike zone. And I'm so glad we got to end it on him because this is a guy who nobody's going to hear about. No, never. Some team is going to be like, hey, look at the slider. Look at the changeup. This guy could be really effective in our bullpen if we are able to tool with his fastball, which you know that some teams are going to be able to do. So we're going to see on MLB trade rumors in July, Jose Hernandez is traded to the Houston Astros for (laughs) nothing. And we're just like, oh, who cares about that? Then in October, Jose Hernandez is coming in the seventh inning and getting big timeouts. Like that's what this exercise is for. Some guys are on teams that we just want to highlight. They're doing amazing that won't be traded. But I would say half of the guys we named are on teams that could potentially be on the move to really help contenders. Like Jose Hernandez is like the perfect version because Justin Lawrence, you know, Jake Bird, some of these guys, they've had other seasons where it's like, all right, these guys have a track record. But this guy, like you see it for a little, you don't give up much because like, hey, he hasn't proven anything, right? Just give him to us for a 28 year old outfielder you've never heard of either who never ends up doing anything. But then he goes to a team and locks down innings in the back end, which is so impactful. This is a good one. This is a really juicy one. <laughs> I, I had to, you know, I had to go deep in my bag for the last one. <laughs> Jose Hernandez, 25 year old, five foot 10, 205 pounds, just throwing dirty sliders and change ups <laughs> for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Before we get to Arm Layton's prospect report, I want an update on how so rare is doing because for me it's been going horribly. Yeah. In the sense of like my team, like uh, the guys I drafted, like, you know, thanks, Max Freed. Like, I mean, not thanks, Max Freed, but it's obviously super unfortunate, but potential Tommy John surgery. It's just I I like to live vicariously through yours because (laughs) yours has been so much better. So I just want to listen to how you've been doing because if I'm doing it, I won't be able to show how good so rare is. Yeah, it's just my team has been horrible. This thing, this thing stinks. I I can't win. Uh, it's honestly, so rare's fault. It's an amazing app. It's just me being an idiot. <laughs> um, no, so dude, like it's crazy because it's also like with, with fantasy. There's just so much. Honestly, like with the names we just went through. 
because remember, like you can pick up cards when you draft your team for free. Again, I'm I'm sorry for those who have listened to these segments and and have heard this so many times, but you can draft your team for free with the link in the podcast description and, you know, select a lot of very, very good players. But for those that want to enter like the limited competitions to be able to win, you know, Ethereum prizes and be able to, to win very rare cards that, you know, are worth decent amount of money. Like you got to own limited cards. And, you know, of course, a limited card of Josh Hader, even as a reliever, is going to be more expensive to acquire than a limited card of even Carlos Estevez. But some of these names that we mentioned, like I could probably pick up, you know, a couple of those relievers for like 50 cents and and I could probably plug them into my lineup and and those guys will get out and get strikeouts and give me points because there's a reliever slot. And that's where I got killed this week. Kendall Graveman was in my reliever slot and he's been pretty good. He just didn't come out of the pen. I think because they're always losing. So he just like didn't come out of the pen, just gets a DNP for me on my team. And and I get cooked. Uh, Luis Araya is coming down to earth a little bit. And he's only hitting like 400 now. Only got me 10 points. But um, I would say so. I need to upgrade reliever wise. Do you think I should pay for Estevez? Like, I actually think that like we just said he's going to be an all star. Like, I think I should go out and get Estevez if he's, if he's available, like he's obviously available and everyone's available, but I'm curious, like compared to other players, what he's going for, because like there's so many underrated relievers that you can pick up. And I feel like that's an area where you can kind of make an impact. And then I'm trying to junior. Yeah. It gives you so many innings. It's not just the one guy. Like, of course, Estevez is great but he's an established closer who's getting saves. So he might be a little bit more expensive. Lighter isn't getting the saves, but he's going in two inning spurts and racking up four or five Ks per outing in two innings. Like that guy might be less expensive and might end up getting you more points on so rare. And that's why so rare, even when you're bad, it's so fun because you get to see all the different prices and it's a completely free app. It's in the episode description. It also helps support us as they are a partner of just baseball. And it's our partner in the fantasy baseball realm. Yeah. It's so much fun. Dude, so you just, you just cooked there because um, I just pulled up Estevez. It was like $11 for his paid card uh, for his limited card for lighter. It's $3. So like that might be a better option. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I might pick that up. It's $2 and 96 cents. And again, so like, this is my What's limited. Lawrence? What's Lawrence, by the way, Lawrence. I'm very curious what Lawrence is. Because um, Daniel dude, Bart's not closing games for them anymore. A dollar sixty-seven. Like he's nasty. He's nasty. I might do that too. And and that's for his limited card. For his uh like rare card, which puts me in even a higher echelon of competitions, it's four sixty-three, which is crazy. So the way this works too is like if you put together a a, a rare team on a budget and they perform, you could you know get your reward of like it could be an all-star player. That's a rare player. And you can decide if you want to plug that guy in your lineup or you can sell him and, and then use that to, to continue to build your team another way or, you know, just take the money. But what I love about it is like, I have my multiple teams. I have my limited team, which I put a few dollars into here and there, but then I have my, my free team that I drafted, you know, when we started with so rare and every week I get a new card and I'm putting together that lineup too. Um, so I put all of these lineups together and for the free team, if they finish in the top, I get a limited card, which is worth money. And then I put that into my limited team. So I feel like all of my teams are like funneling into each other and it's really fun. Um, but I have a tough decision I have to make on my free team because those common cards, I have a million of them. And and now the lineup decisions are a little bit tougher. Um, going into next week, do you feel like Jonathan India is going to keep up this pace? Because remember, this is fantasy. So like I have to decide between Francisco Lindor and Jonathan India. And that sounds like a comically dumb question. But like, dude... When it comes to fantasy, it's 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 tough. So like that's the other side of it too. Is like I'm, I'm between these two guys, and I'm thinking about before this competition starts. I think it's in two days. The next competition starts. Um, I think as people are listening to this, one day. So be sure to download it uh, or click the link and draft your team because the next competition locks in a day. Again, free to enter. Um, I'm I'm between starting India. I met I might relegate Lindor to the bench. Like from a fantasy perspective, he's not that great right now. Yeah, he hasn't been that great right now. I have one question about Jonathan India. How many games are at home and how many games are away? That is Jonathan India has 1100 OPS at home. He's hitting 345 with a 638 slugging on the road this season. 627 OPS. How many games are in Great American Small Park? See, you see how you can be a GM on so rare. Like that's that's the fun part. You literally like you're I'm like I'm like 
we're te- checking out matchups. We're like, we're like basically putting our Kevin cash hat on right now. Um, they're at home. And then they go on the road. Ooh, uh, I they're at Miami. No shot. Not taking that. Okay. Looks like when doors starting, <laughs> looks like when doors starting. There you go. Thank you, Pete. Draft your team on. So the link is absolutely free in the episode description. Now it's time. For the prospect report brought to us by Arm Layton. Mm-hmm. Also, Arm and Jack have been going over prospects now for so long, and it's such good information. Make sure to go check out the Call Up podcast. It's our prospect podcast here on the Just Baseball Network, hosted by our very own Arm Layton. And then Jack hops on from time to time. Great podcast for getting even deeper into the minor leagues. But once every two weeks, we ask Arm who has been some of the great players in the minor leagues that he's been watching. And your Twitter, it's so funny, Arm. Like, it, it it's always been good, but it's starting to get, like, real good. Like, one of maybe the best Twitter account oh. for prospects. Because what you do with the video, too, and you're so consistent with it, it's kind of like what Pete Flaherty does in college baseball. Yeah. Like, it's the, it's the constant updates from guys with a little bit of data involved, and then you're always following up with articles like each guy. I know fans can get so excited about the minor leagues and guys in their team because not only is it visual, you can watch the video of a guy shoving, but then you're seeing how well he does, and then there's more information. So shout out your Twitter account. You just made my day. And also (laughs) shout out the prospect report. Let's get into it. You just made my day. Dude, and I've been wanting to do more in articles. So like, I want to do that format in articles with like a heat sheet but the, the, the GIF I use, like the GIF creator just doesn't work. And, and I, you know how I feel about Giffy cat or whatever. Welcome to creating a business. We're oh, it drives me nuts. So I need to find a new way to embed a video player at long story, but that made my day. Cause I do, you know, just like you put a lot of time into your picks, like, and like I put a lot of time into putting those tweets out. So Absolutely. I'm glad you appreciate that. Cause like, it's, it's something that is super fun, but you know, I'm, it's one of those things where it's like, if no one pays attention to it, you're like, what am I doing? Like I'm no, just, wasting my, I'm just wasting my time. Well, someone I did highlight on Twitter, um, and I'm sorry, Peter, to start with this because this guy's going to terrorize you for a while. Oh, uh, no. Sell a Meyer, man. Yeah. He looks like he's figuring it out. Like he looks really good. So the Red Sox were using a weighted bat with him, um, you know, in the off season to help him kind of just generate more power, more impact, more bat speed. And we're seeing it like he's hitting the ball hard. And, and on top of that, like it's, it's to all fields. He's finding the gaps. He's hitting more home runs. Last 12 games in high A, 400, 450, 727 slash line, three home runs, 12 extra base hits, 15 driven in. This dude, I think, is kind of being wasted away in high A at this point. Jordan Lawler is in double A. I think Meyer should be in double A at this point. His defense has been phenomenal, continuing to watch that. This is a legit, I would say five tool. He's not that fast. Uh, He's not slow, but like he's really tools across the board. Uh, This is going to be a very good shortstop for a very long time. I'm sorry. You have Anthony Volpe though. So I'm not really going to feel bad for you. Um, But this guy, it's going to be really fun. I think to have like, it's almost going to be like, I'm hoping no Marvers Jeter. Like, I don't want to put that on these guys, but it's, I think it's going to be a really fun. Like these two guys are going to be the shortstops of their respective teams for, I think the next decade plus. I totally agree with you. And I'm kind of pissed off because the Red Sox keep doing this. They keep spawning these incredibly handsome and incredibly good shorts. He's very handsome too. Starting with Nomar, then going to Xander Bogarts. And now you have Marcelo Meyer. So not only are they good, but all the ladies are going to want to go yep. watch them. Yep. It's which I mean, is also Wolpe's, annoying. Wolpe's decently good looking, but Marcelo <laughs> Meyer's in a different level. He's he's, he's handsome. Just, just to go back to, I mean maybe the best swing in the minor leagues it's i so mean it's i sent a video butter. in the chat how how nice did that swing look butter i mean <laughs> it's perfect it's so smooth and his barrel stays in the zone for what seems like an hour i mean he's just going to get to any ball like swings like that you don't really go through slumps because it's like it might just be a timing thing for guys and like once they get their timing back it's over because and even when they don't have their timing the bat stays in the zone so long so that they can even make at least decent contact, even when they're struggling. Like this guy looks like another one of these great Red Sox shortstops that won't slump. will just pepper balls off the green monster for the next decade and a half. And, and he can pick it. 
He can, and he can pick, pick it. it, and I'm just going to have to watch him just destroy my Yankees. So it's yeah. great. A left side of the infield of Devers and Marcelo Meyer for the Ooh. next 10 years. That sounds fun. Yeah, that that should fun. be fun. Um, next guy up is a, is a Miami Marlins guy who I think could be getting promoted to AAA very soon and potentially could even get a call up to the big leagues or some some rumblings there. Yuri Perez is just like mm. this dude. Get this dude out of double A. He has nothing left to prove. He's thrown over 100 innings there, but his last two starts, 164 ERA, 11 innings, 20 punch outs, three walks, two earned runs. He touched 100 in his final inning of work last outing. This dude's just so good. He's 20 years old. I don't think he's quite big league ready. I'd like to see him in AAA first for a few outings. But man, Yuri Perez looks like he's really kind of hitting that last that last stage of development and is just about ready to get up to the big leagues and and, and make an impact for the Marlins who you know, we talk about the rotation depth. They have it. You know, Braxton Garrett put together a good start the other day. Johnny Cueto's hurt again. I think you you got to kind of you know shelve Johnny Cueto at this point and assume he's not going to come back and help you. Uh, this rotation could probably use a Yuri Perez. Um, and yeah, I think that that might be their only shot at staying afloat in, in a few weeks is to, to call up Yuri Perez. So I'd like to see him make a couple of triple A starts, but the stuff looks fantastic. I know this is setting a really high ceiling for the guy. But I'm pretty sure if he was pitching on the Marlins tomorrow, he'd have the same ERA at the end of the year, even if he's not ready as Edward Cabrera. Like, I think he's like that good. Yeah. And the way LeBron James was <laughs> describing. Hold on. No, I know. I just, <laughs> yeah. I, just I just love that. We went that that just was the segue there. But anyway, go ahead. So there was a new tape released by ESPN, and it's basically a hype tape for Victor Wombanyana who is yeah. going to go number one overall from France. He's seven foot five. He might be the best prospect ever since LeBron. And LeBron is like, you know, we throw a lot of terms out there, but you don't throw the term out alien a lot. And he called Victor Wimbayana an alien. Yeah. And I know that, again, this is setting high ceiling, saying he could pitch like Edward Cabrera right now and pairing him to Victor Wimbayana. But he has that type of body and he has that type of pitch mix. So I think there's two aliens right now in the minor leagues. It's Ellie De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds, and it's Yuri Perez of the Miami Marlins. Like, this guy is so tall. He's so lanky. His levers are so long and disgusting that uh, we were watching him in the Futures game, and I think I texted you immediately. I'm like, who the hell is this 19-year-old freakazoid? Because he's got unbelievable stuff. That's why he's ranked so high in every prospect list. You know... Why not pitch him now? Like how many? I think guys, I think there's like, a legit case that does he have. I think there's a legit case that they will, um, especially because he's not going to. You know, they're not going to let him throw 200 innings this year. So, you know, I, I think there's a legit case that he does get called up soon. The thing that stands out the most too is you, you talk about like the the alien side of it, and also you name your two aliens are our number one hitting prospects and our number one pitching prospects. So it's not a coincidence there. But what stands out to me with Yuri is he throws strikes. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like his fastball, he lands it for a strike 70% of the time. His slider, he lands it for a strike 70% of the time. That's crazy. To be six foot eight with those long ass limbs and be throwing strikes like that. The only thing that's missing is sometimes he misses middle too much with the fastball. Um, and so like he might get hit a little bit from time to time at the big league level. But you talked about Edward, like Edward's issue, issue is he walks too many people, falls behind the count, and then either, you know, gives up the one big hit. He's not going to do that as much. It's just going to be like a couple home runs here and there. I, I could see them being pretty similar statistically. And if that happens, Yuri's learning from Mel Stoudemire Jr., who, for my money, is one of the best pitching minds in baseball and one of the best pitching coaches in baseball. I think the Marlins, you know, kind of are, are are the proof of that. And he's also working with Sandy Alcantara every day. He's got, you know, to share a clubhouse with, with Jesus Lizardo, even in Edward Cabrera, who's still learning, but can also learn alongside him. Like this is a really good situation for him to get up there. I, I would love to see Yuri up soon. Who else is impressing you? Noel V. Marte. I got to no say, way. I, I got to <laughs> say he's heating up, man. <laughs> he got off to a terrible start, terrible start. But all of a sudden, Noel V. Marte is really, really, really heating up. Um, look, he's not going to defend. I think that's very clear. They've the moved him to third base. <laughs> yeah. He, but what's crazy is they're putting him back at shortstop again. Like he's been playing more games at shortstop, which is so weird because I agree he's a fake shortstop. Uh, but they've been playing him more at shortstop, which is bizarre. But that aside, 
he has been absolutely murdering baseballs over his last 10 games. 410, this is in double A, 410, 477, 769 slash line for the Reds double A affiliate Chattanooga and only a 13% K rate. He's only struck out six times in his last That's 44 huge. plate appearances. So he's not striking out. He's hitting home runs, got four homers. Um, he's walking. He's putting bat on ball. Like the bat, the ball skills have always been there. The approach has always sucked. So to see the approach improving, like this is a guy that can hit. And I think he's going to hit. I'm surprised that they're playing him at short. I'm not highlighting him because of his defense at short. I think it stinks. But he is a really, really, really interesting bat. And it's cool to see him heating up as a 21-year-old in double A. Does he remind you of Javier Baez at all? Uh, like he'll strike Javier out way Baez. less. But in the sense of like unbelievable bat-to-ball skills that are... Because like Javier Baez has good bat-to-ball skills. Like yes, You want to realize, does. anybody else had that approach... Oh, that, that Javi has, they'd be they would never make ball. contact. Yeah. They'd be an independent ball. Yeah. So like, maybe. So like in that respect, yes. Like an approach that takes you out of what you are best at, which is just driving the baseball. Um, but what I do think is that I think he's a more well-rounded hitter overall. Um, so, you know, I, I think that will help him, um, you know, to not be as streaky as Javi Baez, who went six games without punching out the other, or the other week, which is pretty nuts. Um, Shout out Javier Baez. Who's your last prospect that you're on the lookout for? Yeah, last last hitting prospect I wanted to highlight. Um, and then also I want to talk about Casey Schmidt real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, Drew Gilbert just got bumped up to double A with the Astros. First round pick this past year. This dude. And also I want to just quickly Mason Wynn is on fire too. Mason Wynn 10 for his last 24 and triple A for the Cardinals as a 21 year old with three home runs. That's insane three for three on stolen bases, but drew Gilbert, 22 Tennessee kid that got ejected. If you remember for like saying that's fucking terrible to the umpire. (laughs) That's just the way he plays though. He plays with a fire. I saw him on the backfields. He looked really good. He's small. He's like five, nine, five, 10 shorter levers. So, you know, the power doesn't, you doesn't come as easy as you think, but then all of a sudden the bat speed is ridiculous. The shorter levers allow him to consistently make contact. He was 10 for his last 22, 455, 478, 1000 slash line with three homers in high A before they bumped him up the double. Now I think he's going to keep going off in that Texas league where I think the numbers are going to be solid because it's a very hitter friendly environment. Gilbert is a dog. I think this guy's going to climb through the minors very, very quickly. I expect Drew to probably be on top 100 list soon. 22 can play all three outfield spots, hit for average, surprise you with the power. Uh, Astros have a good one there. That was the prospect report. Tons of great analysis from our guy, Aram. And the last thing that we want to touch on is one arms agenda is on fire right now. And number two, the San Francisco Giants are getting one of the best, maybe the best overall defender in the minor leagues in Casey Schmidt, right? And third base defense has not been ideal for the San Francisco Giants. When you look at a guy, maybe like JD Davis, you know, of course they use a bunch of different guys at third, but third base defense is not what the San Francisco Giants are known for. But for the next decade, that might be the place to find third base defense. Right now, it's in Pittsburgh with Cabrian Hayes or in St. Louis with Nolan Arenado or in Toronto with Matt Chapman. But the future of third base defense is Casey Schmidt of the San Francisco Giants. Why do you love Casey Schmidt so much? And why have you loved him now for so long? Yeah, you know, and this is a guy that you know, I got to see on the Cape um, and and just what he did there was was amazing. And. Um, you know, I, I really think like his his floor is kind of something similar to Cabrian Hayes, where like if it doesn't all come together offensively, he's a slightly below average bat that gives you three war because of how good he is defensively. But I think he is going to continue to get better with the bat. He was really solid through the start of this year and, and kind of got better and better as as the season has gone on. Finished really well offensively last year, too. They've moved this dude all over. So he's an elite third baseman. They've put him at short uh, where he's a really good shortstop as well. They've played him at second where he would probably win gold gloves as well. So like this is a fantastic defender, no matter where you put him. I think he's a perennial gold glove contender at third. I think he would be a perennial gold glove contender at second. I I hope they don't put him there. And I think he'd be a consistently above average shortstop. So you got that kind of defensive prowess. And then you got the sitting over 300 this year. I I put a whole thread together on Twitter. If you search at arm Layton eight and then type in Casey Schmidt, I also just recently reshared the thread. You could see the plays that I break down there. He was a two-way player at at, uh, San Diego state. 
So he was up to 95 on the mound. So he has a fucking cannon and makes some of the most insane plays. One of the most meticulous workers I've seen with like a whole pregame routine when it comes to fielding, like insane, like borderline nuts and such a good dude though. Um, I'm a big fan of his as a person, as a player, number 75 on our top 100 list. Um, this guy could actually legitimately have a 75 WRC plus, which he won't and, and be a three, one player. That's how good the glove is. I can't wait to see what Casey Schmidt's going to do. And I can't wait to see the fielding stats. Now I couldn't see minor league DRS. I can't wait to see the DRS. I can't believe I'm saying that, but like, I can't wait to see the DRS. This might've been the nerdiest episode that we've done this season so far. And it was an absolute blast. That's Arm Layton. I'm Peter Apple. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the just baseball show. We went over 10 unsung relievers. A couple of them could be traded at the deadline to contenders, but also Arm Layton's prospect report, a little bit of update on so rare. And of course, Casey Schmidt getting called up for the San Francisco Giants. If you're a Giants fan listening, how could you not be fired up after yeah. hearing that, that at the worst, He's a three win player because the glove is that elite. Like you could be getting another Cabrian Hayes, maybe at the worst, right? Yeah, That's yeah. kind of what we're speaking about here. Remember the just baseball show is sponsored by bet MGM. That code is still live in the episode description to go get your free coin. Whether you want to make some futures bets on some teams, Cardinals fans, maybe you're heating up. They just beat the Cubs. I don't know if they do it again, <laughs> but they did get a win in there. They won. Maybe it's time for to invest in the NL Central. Not so sure, but do it on the King of Sportsbooks. But the best way to support this podcast as well is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking a Just Baseball tee. I'm rocking a Just Baseball hat. And Arm Layton's rocking a Just Baseball hat. Does it make you smarter when you look at baseball while wearing a hat? I think so. And I think you'll be smarter if you get yourself some Just Baseball merch. But again, you don't want to spend a dime. You don't want to gamble at all. No worries at all. If you could rate this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we're almost at a thousand five-star reviews on Spotify. It's the best way to help support this podcast, help grow this podcast. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button and comment what else you want to hear from us. And with that, thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>